January 27, 2023. Common sense abounds here at 511 South High Studio C here at the roundtable for another episode of Common Sense Ohio coming at you weekly. Uh, and you can check it out at Common Sense Ohio Show and catch up on all the old stories, some old, some new, some whatever in blue, however the old saying goes. We're at the table here with Norm Murdoch, racer, lobbyist, political commentator, blogger, don't, genius. Because what don't you do? The most important role is father. And uh, yeah, hats off to you, my friend. There hats you go. Off. In all seriousness, hats off. Yeah, uh, we have and, Brett. The, and to you guys too. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, that's yeah. that's true. Good, thank you. I'm yeah. a terrible father. Just just asking. <laughs> um, <laughs> we got Brett Circle Two Seventy Media making podcasts happen, uh, and uh, not only for us, but for me personally and lawyer talk and some other uh, ventures I have and lots of other businesses around. So if you want a podcast, you want it to sound great, you want to sit at the very mics that we use here at Studio C. All you have to do is reach out to. Circle 270 Media. MyPodcastGuy.com is another way to reach him. Uh, so without uh, further ado, we've got, uh, we're going to get through some stuff today. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get at it. Norm, uh, I've got stories, but I'm going to see if you got them. I'm going to see if great minds truly think alike. <laughs> well, uh, it, 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 I'd like to talk, I guess, first of all, about this Hilliard School District case uh, that's bubbling up uh, a, a federal injunctive relief lawsuit filed in the Southern District of Ohio regarding uh, teachers, staff uh, who are being characterized as activists, um, groomers, uh, regarding uh, sex theme uh, conversations that are not approved by any program that the parents know of, eight parents involved in this lawsuit, Local attorney uh, Josh Brown uh, bringing this suit in federal court. And the specifics seem to be that uh, certain teachers are wearing badges that indicate that they're safe teachers to talk to uh, if you're interested in LG. A, I, I never get it right. BLTQ. Yeah, whatever. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Whatever the al- alphabet soup is. And that, um, and there's a QR code on these badges, which students can pick up with their phone from some distance away. In other words, they don't have to interact with the teacher. Technically, they can uh, use their phone from I don't know 10, 20 feet. I don't know what it is, but they can. Uh, they there's a way for them to obtain a list of books, uh, films, etc. Things that the parents say. Hey, listen, we want to give approval before you do that for our, ch- our children. One of the set of parents um, had a, a, a girl. It, it's in the papers, so uh, I can go ahead and use the, uh, um, the description. A girl, a young girl, who was suicidal at school. Parents went to the school. When they got there, the counselor revealed to the parents that this child had been uh, getting counseling and treatment. I don't know what treatment means, but that's that's what it says in the lawsuit for gen- gender dysphoria. And the parents had no idea. So they met with the school district's attorney and asked for the specific policy on these matters. And he refused, he or she, the attorney for the school district, was not forthcoming. So they felt uh, that 
in view of the fact that the teachers unions uh, at there at this at Hilliard are said to be pushing this and and in coaching the teachers on how to hide this mat subject matter from parents um, a little bit like the videos we discussed last week here on the show um, at Upper Arlington and at uh, Groveport Madison so this has now blown up into a, a, a lawsuit um, we'll see where it goes I, you know, what do you guys think? Well, I think first it's helpful just to discuss what the heck an injunction is. And I know this has come up uh, recently on another podcast I do um, on uh, called Munitions Podcast. But an injunction is basically somebody saying uh, or filing a lawsuit challenging the uh, the law, the face of the law. So you could say this law is unconstitutional for whatever reason. And then you're asking for a local court or a, uh, a lower court, rather, to say to issue an order prohibiting the the law from taking effect or prohibiting enforcement of the law, um, and you know it's not just that's in this context where you have a government a lawsuit against the government entity here, the school district. So uh, that's what's going on. And there's it doesn't if they if they don't win the injunction, it doesn't mean they lose the lawsuit. It doesn't mean the law is not unconstitutional. Although one of the considerations in an injunction, uh, the trial court will look at the likelihood of success on the merits. Uh, so they're going to look at the kind of harm that's in, whether the harm is imminent. Uh, and a couple other factors, but a big one is uh, the likelihood of success on the merits. A local gun uh, law here in Columbus has uh, recently fell on a decision that said it wasn't likely to succeed on the merits. I disagree, but anyway, um, you know this. Uh, you're right, Norm. This sort of uh, tracks and dovetails with the other uh, this, the Upper Arlington uh, issue we discussed last week, where schools are basically acting not just uh, like in loco parente, but in substitution of parente here. You know, they're they're taking liberties with our kids, or at least that's the allegation, and doing things that the parents don't know about and may not approve of. Um, there was a recent article, I forget who it was, but wrote it in the uh, New York Times. And it was like how they li- the, this couple lived in China for a while, for like a year, and they were cool with the government of China sort of co-parenting their kids. And I find that the most reprehensible nonsense I have ever heard. And they, they actually made, I heard uh, uh, one of the guys on the Daily Wire talk about this. And um, it, it was it was insanity. You know, they were totally cool with with the Chinese government indoctrinating the kids in Unreal. the dogma that uh, that the communist regime likes. Yeah. And uh, sort of taking over for the parents. No, thank you, government. Yeah, no, no thank, thank you. you. Yeah, I, I, I see it because our kids went to Hilliard schools, and and you know this this is bubbling up huge after the our son graduated last year. So this is like on a hundred miles an hour track. But um, it, it's interesting, and I think most schools do this: is that you know they really encourage your parents in elementary and middle school get involved, get involved. We want you to be a a room mom and do all this kind of stuff. And then, man, at junior high. They shut it down. They don't want you to be a part of it wow. anymore. Wow. So it, it, it's kind of one of those, well, wait a minute, you've, you've kind of told us we can be a part of their lives at school for eight years, seven years, whatever the case might be. And all of a sudden you turn it off and then you start doing stuff like this that um, you're not – if nothing else, you're not getting the parents involved with a problem a situation in school. Great. I'm, I'm glad the kids right. feel safe that they can talk to the, to the, to the, um, the teacher. That's a good thing. Yep. But – then it has to be the family thing. Bring the parents in and talk more about it because maybe they, they just couldn't talk to anybody else at school, but they know the teacher's safe. Now it's time to bring in the parents because something's been said and I, not take it on your own. A hundred percent. And I think if a kid approaches a parent with a problem or forgive me, if a kid mm-hmm. approaches a teacher with a problem, 
the first call the teacher makes has to be to parents. Yes. Or the teacher through the school or whoever it is. Uh, or, uh, or, unless, or, unless there's a situation where the kid says, mom and dad's going to kill me. Or if it's... If, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I get or, that. I get that. Know, but child, come on. If it's child abuse, then law the, enforcement. Call, it, call the police. Yeah. But, right. You know, but if, come on. And, you know, I, I, I have different experiences raising my kids as I'm sure you guys do in the schools. And I, I've had experiences like this where stuff was going on at school I didn't really know about. And I've sat in front of a committee and, and argued with these people. Uh, and uh, it's frustrating. Talk about being blindsided that I'm, your kid is having problems. Yeah, and they, unbeknownst to you, but, you know, it just comes down they to. They think they know better. They, they think they know yes. better. Like they're, they're doing this yeah. out of, out of righteousness, which I, makes it the most scary. Yeah, no, I think, I no. think um, you know, in view of like the parents going to those Virginia school board meetings where the FBI descended, you know, was, was recommended by Merrick Garland that those parents be looked at as possible domestic terrorists. I think. Still that, happening, I think. Yeah, yeah. still happening. Mm-hmm. I think that. The the time off because of COVID really tuned a lot of moms. And, you know, let's face it, moms seem to be more active in their kids' education than yeah. fathers, at, yeah. which is kind of a shame, actually. But I think it's just factual. Well, I think it's I think it's a natural delineation of the roles, right? Yeah, I mean, so I, 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 think, I think so. At I least think at some so level, it probably switches yeah, over right. later on. So I think the moms, with the kids being suspended from school due to COVID— became very, very plugged in to school district policies in general. Yeah. You know, what books are they reading? You know, because all of this was coming home as as work to do in the house during COVID rather than going to school. So the parents are getting the syllabi and they're going, holy, you know, wow, this is the books they're reading. This is the syllabus. Yeah. This, you know, and I think that is this is a spinoff of some of that, I think, sure. is parents are way more tuned in than they were just like three years ago. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I, looking back on this in kindergarten, uh, the the local schools, Upper Arlington, I'll call them out. I mean, they were still teaching something called whole language reading. And there was a whole generation of kids that can't read as a result of this. You know, they, were, they, they abandoned the whole phonetic reading approach, et cetera, et cetera. And I... It, there was this notion as, as I, my kids had trouble reading and I, I went in in kindergarten, first grade trying to ask some questions. And I sort of got, there was this feeling, this, this pressure that I should just not say anything. You know, it was like, oh, let, you have to trust the schools. They know what they're doing. Trust us. We're experts. We're experts. We're experts. We know what we're doing. And this was like me just entering the bubble of realizing that these people, these institutions that we've created in our society that we think have our best interests at heart do not. Mm-hmm. Um, they were teaching a whole language approach, and it was financially driven, I'm sure, from Ohio State and other places, and government crammed down, and the teachers all learned it when they got their master's in teaching, whatever it was. And I was shot, I was shouted down in, in some ways. as like, you don't know what you're talking about. We're experts. And I was like, well, wait a minute. It doesn't make any sense to me. You know. And I remember standing in front of a meeting and, and, and with with uh, with all the people, and they were saying, "No, it works. It's fine. He's doing just fine." I said, "He can't freaking read." Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, well, he's testing fine. Bring him in here, give him something to read, and you tell me if he can mm-hmm. read. And he can't freaking read. Yeah. And uh, they just looked at me, and I said, "Look, I know." I, I, I and there, fortunately, by then, there were some local lawyers, there were some local other there were other local parents, and they actually formed a group and they started to challenge this. And there was a lawsuit that came down. And uh, it's somewhat been fixed at this point. The point is parents need to stay involved. Do not trust that they're doing what you would do 
And it doesn't mean what they're doing is wrong, but we are parents. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, you know, some of the other things going on out there, alleged in the in the lawsuit, were things like um, surveys that the parents had not heard about. You know, until this was all uh, reported back by their by their children, uh, surveys given out in class, uh, asking the students. You know, and of course, this would trigger you know a further discussion in the class, which the parents don't want. Um, but uh, surveys asking the students what pronouns they want to be called by and what pronouns their parents should be referred to as. And, you know, it's just so, so and some of these students, uh, according to the lawsuit, are as young as six years old. It, it sounds I mean, gross. You man. know, I mean, that's it's gross. It's out, it's out of control. Utterly gross. Yeah. Like, I don't want my six year olds exposed to heterosexual uh, sex discussions. Not to mention all of the other varieties. Well, look. So it's just you know subject matter neutral. Why why can't we at least do that? You know, it used to be normal was man woman family. Okay, like if 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 society can't handle that being the norm, then you know I guess I'll settle for neutral. And we're not even getting neutral. No, no, and, no. And no. It's, we're getting activism. And you know, this is. Kind of, I, I read some articles recently. They're like saying it was from the left, and they were saying, "Well, the, uh, we're all these these right wingers or these radical rightists or what, whatever they are, conservatives. They 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 want to ban books." And I'm thinking, "Wow, look, look, taking a book off the shelf in kindergarten and grade school is not the same as banning a book." You know, it's like yeah, I, I do. Be, I do want to ban Hustler magazine. You know, in grade school, but it's not banning it. It's just not permitting it in grade school. I can't even go into Dairy Mart and buy that. Well, I'm whatever. just, yeah, I'm just right. saying, ban it in, in school. Sure. Right? Always, you know, yeah. I'm not saying ban it. No, I know, to, but, that's, but that's the point. It's all about the definition of terms. Right? They would, they're calling like they, you would be accused of banning books, and you're like, well, wait a minute, I just didn't want pornography on the library or in the bookmobile. Well, that's funny. Right. When, when they show up at my kids' elementary school. Well, that's, fun. there's, that's funny because there's a whole list of books written by people like Alex Berenson and, uh, I mean, jo- Jordan Peterson, et cetera, you know, uh, Clavin. I mean, I'm sure there's a whole list of books that they've banned. Yeah. Right? Right. So give right. me a break. And, and, and most authors love to be on the banned book list. <laughs> oh, I know, right. Oh, it increases. Right. It's an it's a badge of right. I'm not I'm not meaning sure. this facetiously. I mean, it's a badge of honor. Yeah. yeah honestly right. because I get I got I got noticed that something yeah. about it is controversial. So whatever it might out. be, whatever right. I want to be. It's like it being be not a bad thing for it, them, it, honestly. It's kind of like back in the day being on Nixon's enemy list. It was yeah. like, wow, I made it on the list. Yeah. Exactly. I'm a cool guy. You know, you know. Is, can you still get Huckleberry Finn? Can you still get Tom Sawyer Huckleberry Finn? Good question. Finn? I, don't, I think those were off the I don't know. For a while I because don't they know. Because the dreaded N word in there, yeah. you know, and it's like. Or they've been, it, it's it, been redacted. Yeah, which, you know, you know and, and if we're at a spot where we can't even use language in the context of its historical significance, then uh, yeah. that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just uh, turning the subject, I know we're pressed for time today, so uh, let's talk a little bit about Senate Bill 26, uh, just introduced, if you're not familiar, uh, which, you know, hey, I wasn't, I'm not a... Uh, I'm not a marijuana user, and I'm and I'm not passing judgment on anybody who would use it medically or recreationally. I don't know jack a, a squat about marijuana, but this particular bill uh, coming from uh, uh, State Senator Nathan Manning, Republican from Ridgeville, 
Um, he's a former defense attorney and a prosecutor. So he's done both sides. So he's half good. <laughs> well, half. he is proposing to remove the per se OVI metabolite uh, limits. Metabolite. Metabolite limits so that there is no automatic licensure suspension uh, for marijuana test results. Uh, he is proposing to set uh, the limits much higher. Uh, so for urine, 25 nanograms versus the current 10 mm-hmm. and ups to five nanograms in blood from the current two. Uh, the Fraternal Order of Police is, uh, of Ohio is uh, officially opposed. But uh, Senator Manning claims that he has worked with people within the state patrol and the prosecutor community uh, to uh, address the issue that, as opposed to alcohol, which the Cleveland Clinic says can be in your system for up to 130 hours, marijuana traces can be in your system, according to Cleveland Clinic, for up to 27 days. Even longer, actually, but yeah. And it's causing some people who are not impaired, but yet have these trace amounts in their blood or urine. Uh, it, it puts a law enforcement officer in a pickle because a person is legally, in in some cases, you know, legally getting it from a dispensary. And so it's not a prohibited substance, but yet it's having a, a an outcome that's harmful to the driver when clearly... In some cases, the officer, hey, this guy's not impaired, uh, but yet I'm compelled to write this, uh, you know, violation. Well, I think we need to make some headway because legalization of marijuana is going to happen. Sooner or later. So I think this is maybe a good move to to really to to, to, to unpeel what's going on when when you smoke. And and here's the backdrop of this. Here's the backdrop of this. Um, It's and it's it's sort of bipartisan or I don't want to say bipartisan. That's not the right word. Like both like both the defense bar and the prosecution bar and a lot of public officials sort of understand the dilemma here because and I know some defense lawyers who have worked with the lobbying groups and worked with the the general assembly trying to get this through in a way that makes sense. Cause here's how it is. I'll give you the, the two minute spiel on OVI is maybe five. Um, there's two ways you get charged with OVI. And one is if you're driving under the influence of alcohol or some other drug. So you're actually impaired while you're driving. The other is called a per se offense. Meaning if you have a prohibited concentration of alcohol or drug abuse in your blood, breath or urine after a test, then it's a crime to drive. You could be totally sober. You could be totally unimpaired. You could be alert, perfectly fine. And if you have a prohibited concentration of the substance in your system, blood, breath, or urine, it's a crime to drive. That's what they're talking about. And even worse on marijuana cases. And I've, I, we in the business have, have fought this for years in Ohio. The law doesn't even prohibit uh, THC. It's like a metabolite of TH of your body's processing of THC. So it's, what they're testing is something that's in your system after using the drug, like weeks ago at times. So there is no, based on, like you would think logically speaking, if I have a prohibited alcohol concentration of, of 08 or above or 10 or uh, 1.5 or whatever it is, you could, you could reasonably say, well, all right, well, if that person can hold their liquor and they look sober, uh, it's still not cool for them to drive. But it's not the same with, with the marijuana metabolite. Because if somebody happens to have that in their system because they were in Colorado two weeks ago and got baked on the ski slopes, uh, permissibly within the bounds of the law and then flew back and they're driving and they get caught and they somehow get a blood, uh, urine test or blood test. 
they're going to be charged with OVI. And it just doesn't make any sense. So, And, and it could be secondhand too, correct? Uh, probably. Nah, You'd have to have a lot of secondhand for it to a, happen. That's a little bit of a stretch. Is it? Okay, I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't sure. Yeah, that's so. a little bit okay. of a stretch. Okay. But certainly use a long time before you're driving, like days and weeks, will show up and you are committing a crime while driving. So it's a problem that needs a solution. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the fundamental issues is, and I know they're about a year and a half to throw pre-pandemic actually, there was a group working on a, like an active sobriety test for marijuana. So like, like, could you detect somebody if they're high on the side of the road? I don't, I don't know what the status of that is, but it seems like a really tall order to me because mm-hmm. you know it, it doesn't reek like booze. You're, you're the same effects don't apply. Some people are. We have good friends that I know that use marijuana, and it actually makes them more alert. They use it as a treatment for things like ADHD or whatever. I can't talk about the scientific validity of that, but it doesn't it doesn't impair you like alcohol impairs everyone else. Right. And I think I think it's important too because you're talking about professional careers. If you start to legalize this, you've got nurses, you've got doctors, you've got mm-hmm. firefighters, whatever that are going to be using this. Yep. And we got to figure this out. So like, I, like, I guess, uh, and not 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 in the realm of oh, we got to do something. It's like no, let's take our time before it's actually legal, yeah. and figure out the right way to handle this. I, I guess um, if probably the outcome of this, okay, we'll have the higher limits that'll help people where their samples uh, taken. But I think most police are probably going to revert back to the pre breathalyzer day impairment tests. You know, walk a line. Well, they still do that. Yeah, count backwards from a hundred. Those you know. don't detect uh, being high. So no, no I'm saying impairment. Uh, like, let's get back to impairment. Like, if you're, if you have a sample of a certain amount in your blood of alcohol or marijuana, but you're not impaired. Let because what we want off of the road are impaired drivers. Well, that still exists though. So every time you get most people get an OVI, they're going to be charged with two. Not most, but if you've taken a chemical test, you're going to get two charges. One will be driving under the influence, impaired. Mm -hmm. The second will be driving with a prohibited concentration. Mm -hmm. So both. You can be convicted of both. You can be charged with both. You can Mm -hmm. be sentenced on only one. Mm -hmm. And when people refuse a breath test, a urine test, or a blood test, they just get the impaired charge. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem is field sobriety testing was developed in theory by the United States government, NHTSA, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. And, you know, the idea is it was was developed and studied uh, to detect alcohol impairment. Mm -hmm. And it does nothing. By any study, scientifically, there's no scientific. There is no scientific validity to the conclusion that if you flunk a walk and turn test, a one leg stand test, or even a horizontal gaze nystagmus test, the thing with the eyes, that you're going to be under the influence of marijuana. They can't test that right now. No, hmm. I mean I'm sure there's hmm. some people that aren't, aren't under any kind of influence, and they shouldn't be driving a car because they may be impaired because they have a disablement. Well, I mean, you could have somebody who's. Uh, maybe in in an end stage diabetic situation we get that a lot yeah and they can't they can't articulate their feet to even operate a car mm-hmm. and it's like i i just want impaired people off the hell off the road right <laughs> yeah. for for whatever reason yeah. that they're impaired you know like maybe they're stuffing themselves with cheeseburgers while they're driving you know whatever if you're impaired get the hell off the road pull sure. over so right? but Call back, Uber, to, my old, back right. to my old adage that's yeah. already a crime Exactly. And making more crimes out of it, it's not going to change the fact that it's already yeah. a crime and people are still doing it. So, yeah, that's right? why I think I, I'd like to see the cops go back to impairment testing. Well, they do, though. That's the point. It's well, not going back. They still do. Yeah, but going back to that in lieu of this. 
That's well, what I'm saying. The mm. problem, though, is this, and this is like I, I always said: when I I don't drink alcohol anymore, but when I did, I was somewhat of a pro, and uh, I yeah. could, I could drink I a know. lot. Functional alcoholics, I got and it. If you pulled me over, you know, I might reek like booze, or not me actually. I, I should signs of impairment pretty well, right. but I, I, we all know somebody who you know, they drink a twelve pack, and they're like, you can't even tell. So that guy is not safe to drive. You need the per se test. Right. Now, don't even get me started on breath testing. That's a whole different show. It's not, you know, that, that's yeah. a debacle. I'm too. not winding you up. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> if, if a guy rolls down his window and I and I get a little, uh, I get a little odor of marijuana and I'm a cop, I guess my first interest would be, is this guy impaired? Yes, no. It would not be how many uh, metabolites does he have in his urine or his bloodstream? You know, is this guy competent to drive? Because that odor could have been in the headliner from when he went to a drive-in movie two weeks ago. Yeah. So, so yeah. you know, that's all I'm saying is let's test for impairment. You know, and frankly, we need to do a little bit more of that when we issue driver's licenses. You know, whether it's, you know, elderly people or disabled people. And I don't want to pick on either one because... <laughs> You know, we, we know and we're going to turn into the elderly, if well, nothing else. It's, it's not selfish, <laughs> but but we know and love a lot of those people. Yes. But we also yeah. know some of them that should not be driving. I know. And we yeah. know that. I, I so. can't even imagine the day that I'm told, give me your keys. I can't. I, I just love to drive. No, I, I, no, that's going to be. That's going to kill me. Yeah. It's going to kill me. <laughs> I could. I could turn in my driver's <sighs> license to drive on the street and still race. That's true. You got that option. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to add something in here. Totally different subject, though. But um, I don't know if you guys heard or not. Ohio is officially in the Ukraine war. We're oh, sending the we're tanks, sending tanks, and they're made here in, in Lima, Ohio. Mm. I, Thirty-one I, I, of them. I've got to give more thought to this. No, I, I know. know what I, I think of yeah, it. I, I, I don't know either. I don't. I mean, I'm just saying we're we're now touching it. it, yeah. it that's just a fact. We're well, sending it, 31 it, that made were made up in Lima. It definitely shows this sending of tanks and Patriot missiles, and as we continue to escalate our assistance, um, you know, the Germans are sending their Leopard mm-hmm. Two tanks, which is their state of the art tank. At any rate, it does show that. That this is the policy coming out of the White House. It, it, it's a moving target. They are definitely, you know, it started out with Biden giving them one or two billion dollars. We're now up to over a hundred billion. Yeah. There were several resignations and firings in Zelensky's administration just this week for people stealing money or being mm-hmm. unable to account for it which is the part of what Senator J.D. Vance, mm-hmm. newly minted senator, is pursuing. So the other thing is we were, I remember Biden initially saying, hey, it's their war. They're going to have to figure it out. It's between, you know, these are mortal enemies that go back historically, Russia and Ukraine. And, you know, we're, we're going to lend some humanitarian assistance. And now we have uh, we have troops over there. Uh, they're over here in Oklahoma getting trained up on the Patriot system. And we have people in the field in Ukraine for sure running those drones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We can't keep our fingers out of any freaking war. Well, We what, can't. I it agree. just drives me and, freaking insane. And the problem is in true Orwellian fashion, it's always what they say and then what they do. They're always different things. Yes. So, you know, it's like you say, it's going to be bigger and bigger. And it just, look, have a policy, 
may, if it makes common sense, just send it over here if you need some analysis on that. If it makes right. common sense, then then follow the policy. And if it turns out you were wrong, well, then shift gears and go back. And then because do, wars change do change, yeah. Well, so, of now, course. Now Biden, you know, the latest. It, so so we went from we're going to you know humanitarian to you know and no NATO involvement to now NATO countries are contributing real materiel and in some cases people trainers at the very least and i'm sure undercover operatives are involved also i mean we know that so now it's biden has said well whatever it takes for as long as it takes that's what his quotes are now and Zelensky wants for example odessa back now do i think odessa which was given up you know decades ago given up to ukraine as part of a settlement of their border dispute, Russia took Odessa back. Zelensky wants to liberate Odessa, and Putin and his gang have said that is a nuclear. That, that's a red line. They go nuclear when 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 if if yeah, you're using the term nuclear uh, figurative and maybe uh, in, well, they're in fact, but they are saying yeah. so that it's a nuclear option. Yes, sir. And we're messing around with. We're messing around with a dictator who is said to be uh, dying. You know, yeah, the rumor rumors that he is terminally ill. So he's probably got a little bit of, well, you know, what the hell? Well, right. it, yeah. it makes you wonder two things. Is, what the, is he acting like that? Or who's running the show? It's exactly. sort of like our government. It's right. like who, who's who's propping Biden up? Because clearly he's got right. his own mental health issue or his right. own uh, mental right. decline issues going on. Yeah. And it's just it's like it's a scary thought, man. Well, is, yeah. Is if they Biden drop, the guy you want at the helm of this mess? Well, mm-hmm. if they if they if if there's a mushroom cloud over Kiev and I say Kiev, not Kiev. Uh, every Ukrainian I know says Kiev. Okay, Americans say Kiev because they want to, like, you know, they want to s- somehow act like they're sophisticated. They're not. They don't know what they're talking about. Anyway, if there's a mushroom cloud over Kiev someday, okay, what are we going to do about that? Right. right. Well, mm-hmm. and it's it's a scary thought. Yeah. So exactly. So right. uh, well, let's talk about householder real quick because that oh, trial started. Mm-hmm. Rock and roll. I don't know if that's on your agenda, Norm, but I'm gonna I'm gonna shove it in here. So how, the householder trial started. They picked a jury. They started testimony with an FBI agent who was going to summarize everything, and then lo and behold, a juror shows up positive for COVID, and everything's on hold, and we're they're probably they're taking a little breather. And I thought this was an interesting way just to sort of address how that how that happens or how how the courts will deal with that. You know, they say now they're gonna. It's in federal courts. They're they're sort of obliged to file the federal court CDC guidelines, which means you can't be show symptoms for five days and feel better, and then you got to wear a super strong mask, whatever the hell that means. Um, there are alternate jurors, though. So when we pick juries, uh, we have alternates, and the alternates sort of sit next to the other jurors. And in theory, you can tap into an alternate if one of them gets sick. Now, if COVID occurs and it spreads amongst the jurors and everybody gets sick, well, then you just got a debacle, and they're going to have to mistry the case and start over. So uh, by mistry, I mean like a do-over. It's like the somebody somebody knocked over the Monopoly board and everything went all over, so you got to start over. Um, and it's never as good when you start over for either side, I don't think. I mean, you, you've lost your thunder. It's like having to rewrite a term paper that you accidentally deleted. That's uh, Anybody who's had to do that knows how much that sucks. But uh, that's where we are. So we have to wait uh, all the longer for the householder outcome. <laughs> Down in Cincinnati, federal courts. Yeehaw. Speaking of uh, down in Cincinnati, uh, the local prosecutor down there, Hamilton County, 
has been tapped, and I think at this point certainly sworn in uh, to replace um, Sharon Kelly, who um, Sharon is now the chief justice. Uh, Joe Dieters from Hamilton County, prosecutor, has been a prosecutor down there twice and was the Ohio state auditor uh, for a term, is now uh, has been appointed by Governor DeWine to be an associate justice and fill out the um, unexpired remaining term of Sharon Kelly, who, as I said, moved up to chief justice. So little item there. Joe is, I know Joe a little bit, uh, went to high school with him, um, <laughs> went to high school with Pat Fisher, who's also on the Supreme Court. So it's a, it's an all St. X bombers uh, Supreme Court, maybe. Uh, we just need to get a few more guys up there, and um, hey, I'll know them all. I'll be I'll be in Fat City if I ever get in trouble. So um, anyway, <laughs> you think they're going to help you? <laughs> Much uh, that these people are going to be loyal. No, but Joe is an acolyte of uh, Simon Lee's, uh, who, um, if you've seen the Larry Flint movies, for those who don't know anything about uh, the, um, the 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 First Amendment lawsuits uh, featuring uh, Larry Flint versus Simon Lease. Joe was, uh, you know, an acolyte of Simon Lease and uh, is pretty, uh, I would say, is pretty um, pro-law enforcement, pretty tough guy. But he's also shown um, that he can be, uh, he can exercise his discretion and in some cases has chosen not to prosecute um, and has uh, stood up for uh, minority rights in Hamilton County. So, uh, um, Joe, good luck. I, uh, it, it, some of the reporters were jumpy because he's never been a judge of any kind. He's never been a referee. He's never, you know, he's never held a gavel. He's always been just quote unquote, a lawyer. Um, and, uh, governor DeWine, I think quite rightly said, well, um, but having experience as a judge is not even like tangentially, uh, related to being on the Supreme Court, I would agree. Well, um, hmm. speaking of legal issues stemming and, and flowing directly from Ohio, anybody who's ever been to law school sort of knows that uh, there are lots and lots of cases that start with Ohio versus that end up in the U.S. Supreme Court in, in huge constitutional decisions like Terry versus Ohio. Um, uh, there's, I'm drawing, I've said it now. I'm drawing a blank, but there's, a, there's some first amendment cases too, sure. that, uh, that, uh, that have all sort of come from Ohio and created huge precedent that's still followed today. Ohio versus Flint. Ohio. And <laughs> there Flint, you go. That's Larry true. Flint's yeah. Case, Good all, all, they all came from Ohio in the first amendment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another one's happening up in Cleveland right now. There was, uh, mm-hmm. anybody who's followed this, it's sort of, I'm surprised it hasn't been bigger news, but it's one that, uh, Norm, I'd like to hear Rob Muse talk about this. Uh, and what he thinks, because there's a guy named Jamie McCart up in Cleveland who made some sort of offensive Facebook or social media tweets or posts following the Tamir Rice shooting about six, seven years ago as a kid, a black kid in Cleveland who was running around pointing BB guns at people or something like that. And well, it turns out that uh, Jamie was a uh, an EMS or uh, EMT or he was on the uh, he was a 911 operator, worked somehow in the government. And he made some tweets that were sort of like, well, good, I'm glad the guy's dead. Who, who does he think he is running around pointing BB guns at people? He deserved to be shot. Of course, that caught on, and he was fired. Uh, and he's, this, this litigation has been going on for seven, eight years now. And uh, the Sixth Circuit, I think yesterday or the day before, uh, issued an opinion on this. And 
they basically said that he had no claim uh, for wrongful termination for being fired uh, for his First Amendment or his exercise of his First Amendment speech. So the government in this case could fire a governmental employee based on these tweets or posts that were offensive. Now, I'm not going to go into. And that was outside of his work. Yes. We're talking tweets he did on, off hours on his own time. Yeah, the, not mm, okay. public facing. Okay. So he was not tweeting with the government tweet board or kind of like the great decision. school teacher that's a pole dancer on the side. Great, correct, that kind of correct. <laughs> so these these were mm-hmm. private facing Facebook. So you, in other words, if you weren't his friend or you yeah. know, you, you it wasn't to everybody. Right. Uh, at first, he denied doing it. Later, apparently, they didn't. The decision didn't discuss how or why they disproved that. But I guess he we have to accept his fact that he actually did it. And, uh, you know, they went into this balancing test where they decided that it was an exercise of First Amendment speech. And it was a very important exercise of First Amendment speech because it was like political speech or controversial speech that uh, those could disagree with. And he was fired for the disagreement. And they said, well, the, the government's interest here in uh, in avoiding uh, conflict and disruption of service uh, outweighed his First Amendment rights. And this was based on some precedent uh, that, uh, frankly, I you know, it, it would take uh, – some time to go read through the precedent and sort of get a, a handle on what the law is. But, you know, we, I've always, uh, it's always been interesting to me since the dawn of social media, can somebody be fired for social media posts or for doing things in their private life? And it's happening more and more. Yeah. The difference here being it was the, it was the government or the state government that fired him, not a private employer. So I think I have every right to fire whoever I want for any reason. Um, the government would take issue with that with Title Seven and the Civil Rights Act, but sure. yeah. you know, still, it's it's not that I agree in racism or discrimination, but you know, when you start telling people they're going to be fired for things they say, it really starts to raise your eyebrows. And you know, it's easy in this case for uh, lots of people to say, "Well, he deserved to be fired because I disagree with his tweets," but that's the point, right? So, sure, I would love right. to hear uh, Rob Muse Rob Muse talk about this and get his insight into where he thinks this law is going. So, and just uh, the final footnote on that, I'm not sure yet if the, if uh, uh, Marquette will actually go try to uh, appeal this and get the Supreme court of the United States to review it. If so, he'd have to file a petition for certiorari. I think he has 180 days or so to get that done. Yeah. And uh, this may end up uh, in the high court for further review coming again, right from Ohio. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of like that case uh, in the Akron area where the uh, guy created a mock website of uh, the local police, I think it was, department. And, um, you know, they prosecuted this guy, you know, like for crime, you know, for, for uh, I think, impersonating a police officer because he created like a Babylon B type of... Sort of a farcical thing. Farcical yeah. thing, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, uh, we'll have to see how that turns out. So there's... It seems like Northeast Ohio is pushing the bounds of uh, First Amendment litigation. So yeah, and I, you know, the, the that situation creating a separate website that poses as a police website, I can see a little bit of a different scenario there than somebody uh, making social media posts on their own personal platforms. So, but there is a, you know, the problem with it is is know. that the court standard is based on a balancing test which is basically fancy legal talk to say the court gets to decide. And then it becomes this convoluted, factual uh, array of precedents that you have to just dig through. Well, in this case, the guy did this, and that's not as bad as this one, so we can, we're can we going to favor this side one time, and then based on that, maybe we can apply something similar know. to the next side. You know, like one of the things we told our kids early on, this, this goes back like 15 years, 
the if you and I don't want to promote this site, but if you go to whitehouse.com, it's a porn site or it used to be. And so the actual US government White House uh because they got that because they got that address first, the porn site, the actual White House had to I don't I think it's wh.gov or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, awesome. anyway, you know like hey, I well, look, I, it's, it's like Mad Magazine or, or any you know, that National Lampoon. I think you should be able to mock your local police department any damn way you want. Well, the question's going to be this. He wasn't well, in person. He wasn't going out with bubbles on his roof arresting women late at night or anything. Right. It's so. very, it, 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 it reflects, one, the, the potential flaw in our criminal, our Western system of justice. At the same time, it reflects how incredibly uh, good it is. Because, look, we have a crime that says you're not allowed to do what Norm just said. You can't put the bubble gums on your top or your whatever it is and pull people over. And I've represented people who do that. Believe it or not, there's there's people that go do no, that. Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, and, um, you know, is that the same as doing it virtually? And you could say no, and you can make an argument yes, but the point is, as as society changes, so does the law. And the law takes a little bit of time to catch up. And if you follow just like uh let's let's face it right this is a small town those guys just hated this guy i I mean just just, (laughs) no question i mean sure he's a rabble rouser come on were they really don't like him were they really worried about people going to his website and reading some you know obviously phony article the backstory is always important yes exactly anyway man uh we were talking last week also uh brett brought this up and i forget what bill number it was but Ohio had recently changed its policy, some kind of bill uh, Brett uh, dug up about reciprocity for professional licensors. Right, mm-hmm. and um, this just shows you the this just shows you like the danger of that. Okay, little item about a nursing diploma mill. Uh, three of them, three uh, privately owned colleges in the state of Florida, generated. 7,600 fake nursing degree diplomas, okay? Hmm. Um, they they were, uh, you know, they've been hailed into federal court by the Department of Justice, 50 states alerted. Uh, as I said, 7,600 fake diplomas issued, 25 college, you know, private college owners uh, and their, uh, you know, uh, participants in this scandal uh, indicted and um, they were charging 17,000 bucks for an LPA, 24,000 bucks for an RN. And um, you know, my comment, it's kind of like the drug use thing. My comment is, and, and, and lots of other things, you know, I mean, it, it also like we were talking about the Larry Householder scandal and how first energy is not being prosecuted, but Larry Householder and uh, Matt Borges, um, uh, are being prosecuted mm-hmm. and to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but yet the nurse, the fake nurses, right? They're not being prosecuted, but the issuer of their fake degrees are. And so that's an item we, you know, we can discuss or not. Uh, the other thing that bothers me about this particular thing, in addition, you know, like Ohio would recognize their license is those it said in the article that the Justice Department is is thinking about 
not uh, pulling the licenses or proceeding to to necessarily pull the licenses of those nurses who got these fake degrees. In other words, they did not graduate from college. Right, they have but fake, they got their license. They're out there doing their thing. They right. sat down. They took their test. They took their boards, right, at, at whatever state they lived in. <laughs> And for those that pass them and are now nurses, they're talking about maybe just letting that slide. Well, what do you do? It's such well, a, it's and such you know a, why uh, that's happening is because they need the nurses right now. If we were overstocked with nurses, this wouldn't be happening. You know, that's a good point. And maybe that, that's I think that's some of it. Sometimes I think I've been involved. You know in how this would like piss this. off a real nurse, though? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, the, well, the, the girl or guy who went to college. For three or four years. Right. It, it, it ruins right. the validity of your degree. My, my right? son's hacking it through UC right now for nursing. How would he and, feel about a guy who just buy, it, so buys it? Buys in. Buys in. lawyers, right? So Somebody fake, gets a fake law degree so and he's, passes sure. the bar. So exactly. he's, on an, he's on an ambulance and he's an EMT and he just mails away 24000 bucks. Sits down and takes a test with one of those prep books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look, it, <laughs> you can say he's, he's he's qualified enough at least to pass the test. And if their tests are designed to, to uh, test for that, then I guess it's uh, it's accurate. But I found that a lot of investigations they get they get the person and they just like it's too much. <laughs> it's too much to go track down the rest of this. We're just going to call this done. It's a good stop point, and we can be done with it. I've, in fact, I've got a very similar case that I've worked on where that is just that has happened. They just, Jeez. It's like they, they, there's some accusation in the certification field that they were faked, but they're not going after any of the people that got the certifications. They just said, that's enough. Well, maybe mm. this explains the last couple of times I've had blood drawn by a phlebotomist that it felt like they just, they just kept <laughs> sticking their needle in, into my muscle. I'm like, for God's sakes, you know, find an artery. Jeez, you, you just, you know, like you're, you're, you're nailing my bicep here. You know? Did you get your certificate in Florida? Yeah, exactly. Right. I don't um, know if you guys caught this a few weeks ago, but the um, high Secretary of State's office uh, did say and put out a um, uh, grades against counties on how they scored for uh, – Doing the elections overall, okay? And most of the counties scored 100% grades. Nine counties received less than perfect scores for handling their county's elections, but all were between 98.82 and 99.99%. Don't know what the, yeah, what the scale what does. Means, no but... idea, but, you know, our, you know, but, you know, Frank LaRose says they're good. Yep. So, and I lay that out there just as a basis of, okay, any changes that are made from now on, why are we doing that if, Frank, we're at 100% with most counties? Well, I, I lay that out there. You would say yeah. if any, remedial, any remediation changes, you would have to question, but any changes right. that would be designed to deal with new issues that are emerging and how people vote or the government structure or that's technology cool. or something, you would say that's necessary. Yes. But, you know, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, uh, me but, too. I think it's it's comforting to know that, okay, we got it right. Again, the, the, the details of the testing is important. Look, I, sure. I, we talked to Frank here, um, and he seems like he's on it. But I, I, I never sit back and say, all right, we got Frank. He's going he's gonna to always be on it. Like, I, it's something we always need to watch. And I'm right. very mm-hmm. – I, I, I Well, well there's, to, there's a lot of known unknowns here. Yes. Right. 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 So you can score 98 to 100% for all 88 88- – county election boards that's great i'm I, i'm glad that he's doing his scrutiny exactly. that's, that's wonderful and that's great and i'm glad he has one investigator for the entire state of ohio 
let, let, I hope Frank can staff up. I, I hope they, they increase his budget so he can get more investigators. But we know in Ohio, prior to the passage of this recent law involving a photo ID, a photo ID, we know that prior to this, you didn't have to have a photo ID. You could show up with a utility bill and vote. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I even, mean, come on. Yeah, and come and on. even even to the to that end too, they're adding this non-citizen lineage line on these IDs, and the stories that are abound about oh, this non-citizen line on this ID, they're going to be they're going to be beat up, and they, they they show stories about how these non-citizens are are being attacked. So so they're going out on the street, and I'm asking you, can I see your ID? Oh, you're a non-citizen. I'm going to beat the crap out of you. Well, that's it's a non-connect. It's an right. it, it, seriously. They have connecting right. stories of Asians being beat up or whatever or dissent. So then because because voting voting ideas as a result of that. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like, like look, I don't think these guys are getting beat up because they're showing their ID. No, not right. hardly. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, that, it is not happening. Crazy. But again, you know, going back to the testing, it's all in the details. So you could have terrible standards for voting. And I'm not saying Ohio does, but you could have terrible standards for voting. Exactly. Like, and 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 but pass all those standards just because you got a hundred on shitty standards doesn't mean your voting is perfect and this is why i'm always sort of sensitive and 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 view some of this stuff with some skepticism because look when the government rates itself on anything yeah it's like i think to myself first of all why do we need this and secondly i don't trust it so it's like right well biden doesn't think right now there's unemployment or inflation he doesn't think that the deficit's gone down yeah because he spent less than we did during covid i mean Pass a crack yeah. pipe. What is that? What is that? I, mean, I hear this all. It's like, yeah. I've decreased a deficit by blah, 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 right. million, billion, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm thinking to myself, huh? well, wait a minute, then how did the deficit go up <laughs> if you decreased it? <laughs> and, and when you ask that, like, how many people really ask that question? You would think that everybody would, but I don't think they are. They yeah. hear that little sound bite and they think, oh, Biden's take the deficit's lower. And it's like, no, it's not. You just spent less this year than you did during COVID. That's what you're calling a decrease yeah. in deficit, spending less. Yeah. It's freaking lunacy. And, mm-hmm. and the, We're and, still in the red. And the caca is going to get the uh, rotating am- it's going to hit the rotating air handler real soon here in May, June of 2023 when these uh, Janet Yellen little uh, the little tweaks that she can do to hold off the debt ceiling crisis uh, until then. But Biden is saying to Kevin McCarthy, no way am I cutting. And Kevin McCarthy is saying, yes way. And it looks like we're heading for another government shutdown unless the two sides can get together and figure out where they're going to cut or where they're going to cut back at least the rate of growth. You would think you would think that this could happen. You would think that both sides could say, look, or we're going to get sequestration which is what happened a couple, you know, yeah. three years ago. And you would think mm-hmm. that McCarthy could reasonably send up to Biden, look, we're not going to blow this up, but here's what we would like in exchange for us agreeing to raise the debt ceiling. At least let's reduce here, 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 and here. These are programs that we can all agree that we could cut back on. Let's just do something here. And uh, Biden's going to say, no, 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 no. And McCarthy's going to say, we're not going to offer those those anyway. It's like, this is... This is where I think government gridlock may end up being very beneficial to us. Because if we have to shut everything down, if this all goes dark again, at least now the American people will know it's like these people can do nothing. 
and and they're not going to spend any money if they don't have if they don't increase the debt ceiling. But they always do anyway. Yeah. Somebody Biden will get what he wants because the Republicans won't give a reasonable list of demands, and Biden will come out looking like or touting the Republicans as being unreasonable, and that'll be that. And uh, McCarthy will cave. That that's where this is going. All right. Now this story is the same. Just reflip. Just flip the Democrat Republican whoever it is on whatever side who is ever's in power. Yep. Once somebody wins, somebody loses. Forget it. And they're yeah. always going to blame the people that won't agree with spending. Money. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, Cincinnati, this is interesting. Um, so I don't know, you know, that I don't think the crime has been solved, uh, but I think, you know, my gut tells me that the Cincinnati couple that were killed in Mexico, the guys and was an architect, architect yeah, yeah. 36 years old, um, went to a Miami university mm-hmm. for his master's, uh, his parents live in Mexico and at Christmas, he and his fiance traveled to Mexico uh, and were missing uh, beginning with Christmas Day. They went out for dinner with two other people, his fiance's uh, cousin and his fiance's sister. So four of them went to dinner and they never came home. Uh, the parents of the, 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 the two families, uh, his and his fiance, staged because uh, uh, the police, you know, are useless. Uh, the, the, they staged a protest march demanding that the government investigate this case and locate, you know, their their lost uh, family members. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week ago or so, they found a bullet-riddled uh, vehicle uh, with their bodies buried in the ground next to the vehicle. Uh, and, um, yeah, so... I think what's going on in this Sinaloa versus Jalisco cartel war in Mexico is particularly with the Jalisco cartel is the old rules uh, with the cartels. The narco war rules back, you know, in El Chapo's day or, you know, even further back uh, Quintero's day were we kill each other. But we don't kill each other. We don't. We don't kill tourists, and because the overall economy in Mexico, like that's a step too far. It's like the mob running Vegas, right? Yeah, the tourists, right. Yeah. yeah, you're going to bring down the government on us because you know you're cutting off Mexico's probably top, you know, economic <clears throat> tool. Uh, not anymore. <coughs> is tourism. Right. right. So, you know, the idea was you could go to Acapulco or you could go wherever you want, you know, Mazatlan or wherever you wanted to go in Mexico, you know, see the Incan ruins or wh- whatever you wanted to do. And you wouldn't get, you know, necessarily shot unless it was like a ricochet. But I, it apparently that whole thing has changed, particularly with the Jalisco cartel. And they are targeting tourists because they just want to create so much terror that I, I guess they, they want to use that as a negotiating tactic mm-hmm. with the government that will knock off the terrorism, you know, if you quit pursuing us and if you help us defeat the Sinaloa cartel and and raise us up to be the replacement for El Chapa. So bottom line is the U.S. State Department has issued a travel advisory of murder and kidnapping so frequent in uh, the state of Zacatecas, but also Mexico generally that, well, the Norm Murdoch uh, warning is don't go right now. No kidding.
Yeah, yeah really. Wow. Don't go. Jeez. Well, look, um, wow. with that, we probably ought to uh, hit some nuggets, Norm. If you got them, we can do a couple little last yeah. thoughts and yeah, wrap just, it up. I got one that's uh, kind of interesting, a, a stat that blew my mind. The Franklin County Sheriff has stated that we're now up to approximately 500 cars or trucks, cars and trucks, stolen since New Year's Day in Franklin County. Wow. I mean, that is a mind-blowing, mind-blowing stat. So it was 400 just eight, nine days ago. It's now like 500. So, I mean, it's 100 Ooh. a week? It's unbelievable, isn't it? What the hell? Oh, yeah, over 100 a week. Unbelievable. Yeah. So um, it's going on, and it, uh, it, it down <sighs> all over. So, like, I was reading a story in Chillicothe where uh, teenagers, so they're under – they were under 18, this particular gang, went into a Dodge dealership, took the, you know, this is right out of like, you know, one of those movies, uh, Fast and Furious, went in, broke the glass, went in, took the keys off the hook, uh, started up uh, chargers and challengers, and they GPS tracked them to Columbus, Ohio. And believe it, I mean, this is just like that kidnapping case, right, that we had. The Chillicothe police tried to coordinate with the Columbus Police Department while the GPS devices were still enabled. They they then got disabled, but while they were still tracking and showed exactly where these vehicles were, they could not coordinate with the Columbus PD. I, I, I just this is just driving me crazy because I personally had a situation like that with a stolen vehicle where I was trying to help somebody, a friend. And you just can't get any action in real time with the police. Uh, yeah, I think very the, difficult. Yeah, I think I think mm. for example, the Ohio State Highway Patrol has one guy covering the entire state of Ohio for stolen vehicles. There, there's actually like one sergeant who's in charge of that mm. little bureau. This will get this will get solved with money when insurance companies finally start raising rates when stuff starts happening like that then people will get interested in this and Big somebody time. will do something but yep. you know the problem with this is the I, I don't even know how or why this is happening that's going to take a whole another indulgence of of, mm. uh, of our intellect uh, or lack of it to figure it out you know it's like we have to figure out exactly how and why this is happening but I guess in the simplest terms you could say it's happening because they're getting away with it. Yeah. Yeah, but right Right, you know, yeah. you, you you endure what you tolerate, Jeez. or you tolerate what you endure, or whatever the what, endure what you tolerate. So you can go back to the old west. All right, you well, stole that, a horse, you shot him. That let's uh, <laughs> let's wrap it up. I've got uh, unfortunately, I've got court. I've got a life upstairs in a law firm that just doesn't relent. But anyway, uh, this is Common Sense Ohio. You can catch it at commonsenseohioshow.com. Uh, we're going to have some sponsorships uh, rolling out probably by early next month. So if you want to get on that list, uh, have at it. Give us a shout. You can look it up right there at commonsenseohioshow.com. You will also find there the blogs. Norm has been blogging prolifically. I think that's the right word. Brett's got a few up. I am lagging behind at zero. Uh, but maybe that'll change in 2023. Uh, at any rate, uh, the idea here at Common Sense Ohio is to give you a common sense viewpoint of Ohio news and use that as a platform, probably to discuss all other things that Ohio tends to influence. So check it out right from the middle, Common Sense Ohio, at least until now.